1: the December 9th, 2012 edition of Don't Let It Go Unheard. It's the podcast devoted to the discussion of news and politics from the perspective of Ayn Rand's philosophy, Objectivism. I'm your host, Amy Peekoff, and joining me here in the studio, in fact, walking in right this second, is cartoonist Bosch Faustin. And today we would like to discuss with you the following question. Um, And I've been thinking about it a lot recently, but I've been thinking about it more in light of this whole debate about the fiscal cliff. And in particular, a poll that I heard about this week discussing popular reactions to some of the parameters about the fiscal cliff. And the question is, has the American sense of life persisted since 1971 when Rand wrote her essay, Don't Let It Go? Uh, The essay is the last essay in the book, the nonfiction book, Philosophy Who Needs It. Uh, In that essay, she talks about what the uniquely American sense of life is, and she states that it has managed, at least up into the 70s, to save us from the onslaught of collectivism. And the question is, what is the American sense of life like today? Are we seeing evidence of it being in decline? Uh, And and I think we can see some evidence of decline in the popular reaction to the so-called fiscal cliff. So that's my topic. And if you have comments on this or questions or anything else, please join in. You can call 760-888-5817. Again, that's 760-888-5817. And do think about it. Think about if you have seen evidence recently of the American sense of life being in decline. I do have a caller on hold right now, but the caller has not clicked the question button. So if, if you do call in, I think there's a little option to say that you have a question or comment. Some people call in and they just listen. Uh, and I'm learning slowly as a host mm-hmm. in training to, to not click and, and unmute those people because they don't want to be unmuted. They just want to listen. So. Anyway, you can call in. You can also participate in the chat room. So let me go ahead and find my chat room window here. We've got a number of people already hanging out there. Robert from New York City says, sadly, I think we are now Europe. And you'll see when we talk about Rand's essay, Don't Let It Go, that in the essay – Rand, instead of just giving a bullet point sort of statement as to what the American sense of life is, she goes through a number of different aspects and examples to show how America differs from Europe in its basic attitude about reality, about cognition, about the nature of man, nature about of the government. nature of ethics. Not so much nature of government does she emphasize in these things. So,
0: I want to say it's now. You know, yeah. Major government is far different than it was. I mean, I mean, people's attitude towards yeah, people's attitude towards, towards, government, towards government, I
1: think, has changed since the since the 70s. So we may end up agreeing with Robert. Robert, we may ask you to bring up some concretes that yeah. you think will help illustrate. I mean, it.
0: really, if anyone wants to call, because this is a topic that we can just discuss for hours.
1: Yeah, unfortunately, it is. Uh, Kathleen in the chat room says our government is in competition with Europe, who can see who yeah. to see who can be most collectivist. Sadly, I think that's true. So let, let's uh, back up. And I want to talk just a little bit about the, the fiscal cliff issue. Everybody, I think, knows what's going on. We've got the Democrats and the, the Republicans. The spending
0: cliff. I'm
1: sorry. Yeah, the, spend, the spending cliff, the fiscal the cliff. The moral cliff. Uh, yeah, some people say, well, and this, this is something that I, I See, tweeted out to your own before, yeah. which was that we are, you know, having this debate about the fiscal cliff. Why? Because we went off the moral cliff. Long ago. And in fact, yeah. we probably went off the fiscal cliff exactly. long ago, too. It's it's really, and Yaron has said this in different fora because he's out talking all over the place, and I think he might have said it here on this show. It is a meaningless debate, yeah. this fiscal cliff debate. Um, you know, basically what they're talking about is minutiae. In terms of you know fractions of billions of dollars or whatever in terms of spending, when we've got a 1.5 trillion dollar deficit every yeah. year now, every year that, exactly, that, is that, is that every right? single year, the the amounts of money that they're that talking about grow. cutting, that, that and you know, and again, the the debate about the spending cuts that they're having is not about real cuts. No, it, also, is, if, it, it is it is about reductions in. The increase right. of the rate of spending. So what they're doing is they're saying, well, we won't increase the rate of spending at quite the same rate. And the
0: spending cuts are always projected to be what?
1: Over the 10, next ten 20, years, right, years. Right? So they can always be reversed. The tax so, hikes. So so all of this is meaningless. The tax hikes, of course, come in right away. The spending cuts don't have. One guy for called up Rush and,
0: and he was talking about that. He couldn't get it as clear, but that's exactly what he was talking about. About the the idea that they move real slow. They tell you what they want to do.
1: Yeah. You know. No. And, and the, the spending, uh, you know, the spending's happening. Anyway, anyway, it's, it's a nonsense debate between Democrats and Republicans. Yeah. The differences between their proposals is pretty much meaningless. Yeah. They're still all going to increase spending. They're still not dealing with entitlements in the way that's necessary to save us from certain disaster to becoming Greece.
0: To save us from government. Uh,
1: but there is one aspect of the whole fiscal cliff debating and and different things that are on the table that I think is important. And if the Republicans cave on it, this is going to be a huge sign that we are closer to our demise than otherwise thought. And I might actually, if the Republicans cave on this, I'm going to start becoming a conspiracy theorist. So you guys are all going to have to save me. You're going to have to send me off to the loony bin or something. I don't know. Put me in a straitjacket because I will become a conspiracy theorist if the Republicans in the House Give Obama unilateral control over the debt ceiling, right. which is something that he's asking for. Yeah. I think that one item is not a meaningless part of the debate. No. The, the rest of it is meaningless. You know, Because if we talk about you know, the Republicans, kind of- the Republicans are caving because they said no new taxes. And some of them are now open to increasing tax rates on the so-called rich. Uh, I've talked about this before. The principle... Behind the issue of taxation was conceded long ago, Was conceded in 1913 or 16 yeah, exactly. or whenever exactly right. when they passed the 16th Amendment and they said you can have an income tax right. on people in United and States.
0: And that was the beginning of the end in a lot of ways. Yeah,
1: so it's just a matter of what percentage and everything else. So this is a phony debate, but I do think that we can learn by looking at the popular reaction to the debate Kind no. of w- something that we can learn about the American sense of life, and that that's really what I'm I'm kind of using as a takeoff. Point Sorry, Kathleen me.
0: says everyone will start listening to Alex Jones with a laugh because he is he is Mr. Conspiracy, he's unlistenable. But even Drudge links to him, which is weird. But we're entering that world where he might make a little more sense than some people in certain ways and at certain times.
1: It it's just boggling my mind. So, you know, as I said, if that happens, I sure hope that. People have enough sense to not let the president right. have unilateral control over a debt ceiling. Because, in effect, that is That's, letting yes. – I mean, the, the House.
0: Right. The House then he has the, is there supposed are no limits. to
1: have control over the president. Then there are no limits. And it's gone. Then it's there are no limits. Do. And he
0: wants to make them, you know, impotent. Right. They are, in a lot of ways, but he wants to make it official.
1: Now, some people in the – okay, people have got their uh, – their ability to listen to the show. Some people good. in the chat room were having some technical difficulties there. They've got that ironed out, which is good. <sighs> Robert in New York City is saying, uh, Air Dr. Dr. Krugman.
0: Yeah. So
1: the way that people treat Krugman. Krugman.
0: Yeah, Paul Krugman. They
1: treat him as some sort of oh, eminence. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. and, and the- one of And one of the things that Rand talks about in her essay, Don't Let It Go, is that typically we will treat celebrities or public intellectuals and things like that as... as no, as just one of us.
0: Oh, okay, I'm sorry. And in what?
1: As, as just one of us. In, Whereas in Europe... In a
0: decent world, meaning in a healthy America. In a healthy America. In a healthy
1: America, we treat celebrities, uh, exactly. sports figures, whoever... We, keep as, them
0: in their place. I mean, they are where they are. and they are, They're, know, they they're have accomplished. Influence
1: and, yeah. They're accomplished. We and that's respect nice. them. But we just say, look, they're one of us. Whereas... In Germany, for instance, they will actually talk to about somebody as Air Doctor right. Doctor. That's also, what Robert's writing in the chat room. And, and here's the thing. The Air Doctor Doctor is some right. huge <laughs> amount of, of respect. You right, know, Doctor. doctor. Um, supposedly, I could be called Air Doctor Doctor because I have both the JD and the PhD. That was the, right. the joke that Leonard used to make. But, uh, you know, Krogman, they do. They treat him as some yeah. sort of a respected eminent. Another He's thing that Robert says in the chat room, he says that Europe, is used to be taken care of by the state from cradle to grave. Yeah. And when he writes this here, what I think of right away, uh Bosch, is that example yeah. that Obama had on his website of Julia right, right, where right. they described how yep. Julia would be taken care of by the government from cradle and to also, grave. And also
0: I don't recall Julia having any kind of romantic relationship, any 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 husband. I don't remember that it might have been the case. I don't I don't know. Well I mean and Or here's he the thing. was taken care of as well. I
1: was well he was taken care of or if he existed, her husband, she was still supposed to think of the state as the primary caregiver of her. Uh, Now, what Robert says, says, many more Americans, not the majority yet, feel the same way. He says that is the disheartening (sighs) part. He says the rugged individualist is not longer a dominant theme in American culture. Now,
0: look, I think if that's true or not, and it looks like it might be, our media is going to push that. It is true. Every possible. Hollywood will, will will make it so as, okay, it's over, guys. Uh, accept it. Accept that Obama won and America lost, and that's it. And I'm still thinking that there are voices out there ha- who haven't spoken, people who haven't been, you know, polled. And just keep in mind that there was a, there was a poll recently, I think last week, the majority of voters, of voters, uh, of, of actual, uh, they, they said something like, they don't like his policies, and they still don't like Obamacare, a majority Which is, uh, you know, that contradicts everything that we've been told for the last few weeks.
1: Right, right. Now, but let me tell you about the reason why they may not like Obamacare. And I'll I'll tell you. And it's something that the public, the so-called public, learned, I guess, during the presidential debates. But let me me get into this poll because this is the thing that got me thinking. And actually, I learned about this uh, Quinnipiac uh, University poll while watching Red Eye. And, uh, by the way, if people do want to talk more about Gutfeld's book, we'll take calls on that today as well. Again, uh, 760-888-5817, and then just put the little question mark. I did learn uh, that Gutfeld did listen to last week's show, and he he said, nice podcast, so that's good. So I guess I didn't offend him by disagreeing with him. But, uh, moreover, now we're going to have to make good on giving those Christmas gifts to Gutfeld that we promised. Actually, we promised only one Christmas gift, but I decided we should send both The Fountainhead and The Virtue of Selfishness because that gives the option of choosing fiction versus nonfiction, whatever your particular tastes are. If we have have people listening or in the chat room, by the way, who haven't read any Rand before, I would recommend starting with either, depending on whether you prefer fiction or nonfiction, I would start with either The Fountainhead or the virtue of selfishness I think would be a good place to make on it,
0: but yeah, you're right. Virtue if, of selfish- if people like nonfiction, yeah, that they is like nonfiction. Is an introduction to her yeah. to her ethics. It's, mean, it's, to her. it's
1: better if you can sit back and enjoy the Fountainhead, I think. But uh, anyway, no. so, so that's what we'll be doing for, for Greg. Now, let me get back to this. So I learned about this poll by watching Red Eye. I'm
2: gonna see. And
1: it. Um, Yeah, well I've I've gotta get you to chime in on some of this. First I of got all too much to say. First of all said American voters give Obama, a 53 to 40% job approval rating. That says 53% approve. It's his best score in 3 years. I and mean, then it, it says, then it says by a wider percentage, 53 to 36%, say that they trust the president <laughs> and the Democrats more than the Republicans to avoid the fiscal cliff. Okay? And Bosch, we've been, you know, we always talk about politics. And, and uh, Bosch had a theory this week about why it is that the majority of people would side with the president and the Democrats more than Republicans. Because when I watch the president's, you know, uh, remarks about this or hear about his proposal versus what John Boehner's put out there, I can't imagine that anybody would side with what the Never. president's doing in, term, in terms of content. But what, what's your theory, I, I just, Bosch? I mean,
0: I don't know if I could articulate it. I articulated it as well as I did the other day, but I'm just...
1: Well, I mean, the, the way I understood of, it was that, that you thought that the, you know, which party or which group of people comes okay. across as most self-confident.
0: Well, yeah, Obama. And you know what? I am very reluctant to say that because I don't find him as charismatic people do. I don't find him to be this, 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 this great pop culture leader. I don't at all. I think he's an incredibly annoying to watch and listen to. But I think if you're not paying attention, if you're not paying attention... And you see him during the campaign, in the commercials, during the debates, during, at least you know, outside of the first debate where he was not there. Uh, he does come off uh, like he actually means what he says more than Romney. Uh, same thing with uh, McCain and people, Americans like that. And also this idea that uh, you know, the aggressor uh, is just more attractive. And it,
1: not, not, not the aggressor, right? Yeah, because I don't well, like, I don't like the in terms aggressor of sports, could be somebody in terms who initiates of, No, but in
0: terms, I, so, know that, someone, I know, Someone,
1: someone who's, like, and, and, insofar as this is a political game.
0: Yes, no, but you know what? The one I see who this.
1: Plays it more aggressively I see this. It's war. Who plays it more aggressively. This is
0: political war, and Obama went for the kill, and Romney held back, and people who are not paying attention saw that and said, you know what? This guy actually means it. That that other guy doesn't. He's a soft version of this guy. Let me vote for the real deal. Let me not vote for the, vote for the soft the soft version. And uh, I just – it's a sick thing. But again, if you're not paying attention, that could have been the difference of people who were not paying attention who voted for Obama because of that.
1: Right. Now, two things here in the chat. Oh, sorry, room.
0: sorry. one thing. People understood also that Obama uh, believed his BS more than Romney believed his BS. I think that's possible also.
1: Oh, I think, I think so as well. Uh, David in the chat room says most people don't know that the president isn't really willing to cut any spending, which is a major sticking point. Yeah, as as I heard about the president's so-called proposal – he might he, cut uh, he, defense. He, well, he he said he was going to cut four hundred billion of unspecified cuts from Medicare. <laughs> That's right. Medicare That's exactly
0: to knock people over into a and Medicare.
1: then right. they he was going to propose even more than four hundred billion in spending increases as part of the deal. So it's a net wash, or is a net right. actually increased in spending? Uh, another thing in the chat room, Deborah. Uh, she questions whether the virtue of selfishness is the best book to give somebody a, a non-fiction for the first time philosophy who needs it might be and I think that's true if you have to convince the person of the necessity of, of philosophy for sure. That, you know, the title right. essay, Don't Let It Go, of course, is in there. So there's a lot of good stuff in there as well. Uh, but I would think... I just,
0: I just think she takes on, that's the book that she takes on altruism. She takes on this 2,000 years of, you know, of all this garbage.
1: Yeah. I mean, you, you get you get the you get the summary of the politics and the ethics yeah. really well in Virtue exactly. of Exactly. And it's a so short read, so if, relatively yeah, speaking. If, so. if people want it. Anyway, let's let's stop talking about books and let's go back to this. So, um here we've got Boehner, who just kind of looks, you know oh, pathetic compared to Obama. And so that could be the reason uh. why. Now, let's go more through some of these poll items here. Registered voters say forty eight to forty three percent that Obama and Congress will reach an agreement on a plan to avoid tax increases and spending cuts set to go into effect at year's end. And so they think it's going to happen. You know, one one thing that I was asking on the Don't Let It Go on her page this week is, look, the only thing that happens when you go over the fiscal cliff is that there's going to be tax increases and spending cuts. Mm-hmm. So if that's going to happen and we're going to have probably fewer spending cuts, less spending cuts through any of the deals that are on the table right now. Yes, we would have maybe fewer tax increases as well, but we'll have more spending cuts if we go over the fiscal cliff. So maybe we should go over the fiscal cliff and at least have more spending cuts because we're going to have tax increases anyway. The principle about taxes was gone long ago. The government has decided that all the money is it's to, you know, yes. have. I mean, just this week, Carney, the spokesman Ugh. for Obama, was oh, using man. the language the horrible language that politicians use which is we can't afford tax cuts
0: we can't afford tax cuts they but, say that with a straight face because yeah. they know they can get away with it today it's,
1: it's it's our money we talk about it as we we can't afford tax cuts why because we don't want to stop spending so you know they talk about revenue instead of taxes they want to get away from the idea which is the truth that they are taking your money that you earned From you by force. And that that principle was seeded long ago. So, you know, this idea that, oh, well, you know, we have to avoid the fiscal cliff, I would say bring on the fiscal cliff. We want Obama not to have more uh, debt ceiling to deal with. You don't want to give
0: him what he wants in any way.
1: We we don't want to increase the debt ceiling. We certainly don't want to let Obama unilaterally increase the debt ceiling throughout his next four years. Uh, and, I mean, imagine what it's going to be, and well, then, and then, moreover, you know, this the spending cuts. I would like to see more draconian spending cuts, and there's still going to be nothing compared to the deficit. I'm sure.
0: Also, no, this idea about negotiations between the Republicans and Democrats. Republicans don't understand that the Democrats are at war with them. They want to wipe them out. They don't understand that. They they come in in good faith, and they're all surprised. If you see Boehner, he's always whimpering. Like, I mean, I you know, we 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 propose this, and i mean, you know. And uh, I just – it's embarrassing that he is the last hold. He's the last holdout. He's the most powerful Republican in Washington. He's the weakest. Can you think of a weaker one? I can't.
1: No, no, I can't. Zach in the chat room says, I love Uh – he's got a nice little heart icon. I don't know how he got that. Love John Bainery says, especially when he cries. That's
0: right. I just just tweeted something about uh, we can't afford tax cuts.
2: Okay, go
1: ahead.
0: Quote, you know, we can't afford – this is the government speaking, Obama. We can't afford tax cuts equals your money is actually our money, and we can't afford to have you think otherwise, so shut up and cough it up. That is that is what it is. The whole, the whole presumption that all the money in America is their money, yeah. and they get to you know give it to whoever they want at whatever time.
1: Yeah, so all all of this poll is depressing, but let's get into the more depressing part and the part that I think reflects on the American sense of life, okay? Uh, by a huge margin, 67 to 23, voters oppose eliminating the home mortgage interest deduction, but they strongly favor limiting the deduction to the first 500000 of mortgage debt. Now, what does this mean? This means that everyone is fine if all you do is limit the home uh, mortgage interest deduction to a home where your mortgage is 500000 or less, if your home is more expensive, i.e. if you are more rich, we don't really care about you. Right. You should not be able to deduct the interest on anything above 500000 Now, I don't know if you know Southern California real estate, and I'm, there's also New York City real estate, 500000 Right. For a mortgage is not that much right. in some of the markets in the United States. Right. So, you know, I, these people don't really know what they're talking about. But anyway, 62 to 28 percent, they favor limiting the deduction to the first 500000 If you have a mortgage higher than $500,000, you are too rich for most people in the country right. to care about whether your money is taken from you at a higher rate. Uh, By 56 to 35%, voters favor eliminating that deduction for second homes. Now, if I own a second home, I create jobs for people. If you eliminate my mortgage interest deduction for a second home, then I'm going to think twice as to whether I even want a second home. I don't have a second home, by the way, but it would be nice to have a second home someday. And, uh, you know, if this happens, I would definitely think twice about doing it because you don't get that interest deduction. It doesn't encourage that sort of investment, and you're going to see home prices decline if this gets passed, of course. Uh, Apparently, David in the chat room says that Robert Reich suggests a cap of $25,000. I
0: don't even know what... See Robert Reich the way Rush does.
1: I'm not going to. Okay. He takes
0: about a minute to say it. So annoying.
1: (laughs) It's like on uh, Red Red Eye when they say, lightning round... (laughs) Light light around. Around. Okay. Okay. Uh, so, so that is a depressing thing because it's a, it's a soak the rich sort of measure there when you're talking about homes over a certain amount. Then here's this: sixty five percent, sixty five percent support higher taxes on households making more than two hundred fifty thousand dollars. This is what Obama wants. He is just obsessed. As yeah. Gutfeld has been talking about recently, he's obsessed yeah. with taxing the so-called wealthy yeah. people who make more than $250,000. That,
0: that's his goal. Anything else or whatever. Yeah. Anything else is debatable. Everything that's else is small change. Yeah, exactly. he, he
1: wants to punish the rich. That there is a there's just no question. And 65% of Americans agree with this. Well, that's and evil. This, is, this is the thing that really, really got me this week where I thought, okay, if <sighs> we've got 65% of United Envious. States – Envious, yeah, having envy to the extent that they are supporting higher taxes on that group in particular, when two hundred fifty thousand dollars again, if you live in certain places, doesn't make you all that no, wealthy, it doesn't. and of course, as so many politicians have pointed out on the practical level, you know for months and months when they've been running for president here, uh if you're one of these two hundred fifty and above. You're probably a small business owner who's providing jobs for people, et cetera, and if you tax these people at a higher rate, you will destroy jobs. Right. There's no way that Obama can't know that the money no, is, is more productive in the hands of the people who make the 250000 or more than it is if they confiscate it and then try to spend it through their bloated government programs on the next Solyndra or other bankrupt business concern. It's
0: just destructive.
1: And and he knows that. It's purely destructive, and he knows it. Uh, 84% of Democrats support that tax increase. Of course they do. 66% of independent voters.
0: Independents
1: support that. That Republicans are opposed 53 to 41, at least for them. Uh, John in the chat room says, culture of envy. Exactly. Uh, Robert says, the age of envy. And and this is is, is one particular thing that Rand pointed out in her 1971 essay, Don't Let It Go. Again, that essay can be found as the last essay in her book philosophy who needs it but don't let it go she's referring to the country and the american sense of life in that book do not let it go yep. and one thing that she co- contrasted europe versus united states she said in europe envy envy of the well off envy of maybe royalty which exists in europe is a dominant emotion yeah. whereas in united states she said we don't have envy as right. any significant emotion this was in 1971
0: Absolutely.
3: and
1: i would say that today this oh, poll man. number, 65 if to 31 percent. If it's accurate. If it's accurate. I, I don't know if I have. I mean, does anybody if in the chat accurate. room have any idea that.
0: It just sounds, sounds quite un- it, it un- un-American. Where it sounds un-American. It sounds know, There's poll. also this notion: people say, well, Obama has changed the culture. In four years as a president, changed the entire culture. I don't buy that either. I don't. I don't.
1: But, but listen to this, too, right? And I think the Republicans are guilty in part for this poll.
0: Right, because we right. have
1: seen, and we talked about this. I talked about it a couple. They've weeks been
0: accomplices. Ago. They've been accomplices in this.
1: They have been accomplices because you have seen. It's uh, Bill Kristol. Is he? Oh man, the editor still. of yeah. the Weekly Standard. He's in the
0: Oka. Uh, you know I, now. I know his father was liberal, supposedly, but I think he's a former liberal turned conservative. Yeah. Which is he's for you know he's for democracy in the Middle East. He's for more or less big government but a more, quote, unquote, compassionate government, you know, you know, uh, compassionate, compassionate conservatism. That means big government liberalism. Well,
1: he's supposed to be the editor of the Weekly Standard, which yeah, is supposed to be a major Republican publication. but he
0: has sold publication.
1: out. He sold Republication, out. as I that's called funny. it before. But, he, has, uh, he has
0: sold out whatever pretense yeah, he had.
1: He has said that he doesn't think Republicans should be known as the party that is protecting the rich and, and protecting the toys, the and the the, 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 the richest toys. And he's double-downed.
0: She actually said that the Tea Party wouldn't mind if some millionaires get taxed. He's speaking for the Tea Party now. This hack is speaking for the, for the Tea Party now. So he's done.
1: Yeah. So, so, so I would say even Republicans are complicit in this. The other one was uh, Ben Stein. Oh,
0: Ben Stein. The Disgusting.
1: actor-economist who I saw appearing on O'Reilly yeah. when Gutfeld was the guest host.
0: And he was calling for he, higher taxes.
1: He was calling for higher taxes as well. So it, it's terrible. Uh, why is it immoral? Most listeners to the show – don't necessarily uh, think about these things in – actually, most listeners to the show, I think, still do think about this in moral terms. But there's some listeners out there who don't necessarily think about this in moral terms. They think of it only in practical terms. So they think, well, look, if Obama increases the taxes on the people who make more than $250,000, we're going to lose all these jobs. And that is true. But the moral issue is that these people earned the money – and that government should not be taking it from these people by force. Now, if if you showed that the person has the money because he committed a crime, okay, fine, take it away from him. But these are people who Um, are providing values on the free market, insofar as we still have a free market, but these people are putting goods and services out there and submitting them to the voluntary consent of the consumer, Right or the client, and the consumer or the client is choosing to give his money over yep. to this producer, and that's how the producer gets the money. So if you've earned more than 250000 per year, producing a value such that people are willing to pay you all this money, I mean, why are they willing to pay you this money? Yep. is puts it so well in his talks when he goes around the country and yep. speaks about this. Uh, Jeroen Brook, head of the Ayn Rand Institute. Uh, they're giving you this money because whatever it is they're getting in return is worth more to oh, them right. than the money that they're giving. If I go and I get an iPad mini, which I'm having for my Christmas present this year, <laughs> an iPad mini, I love the size. Uh, it's worth more to me than the money right. that I'm giving to Apple to get right. that iPad. And so, you know, but no we case.
0: know we are entering a stage now where being rich is automatically guilty. Right. You're
3: just and, the, and that
1: is something that and you, in, 1971, and it, yeah, in 1971, Rand said that that was not true of the United oh, States, man. that envy was not a big emotion, that people admired achievement. They didn't resent in any way. Uh, and I then, of believe course,
0: that also up until recently, but when when we start seeing Obama get reelected, when we start seeing Americans saying certain things that I I think are absolutely anti-American, it's tough. It's tough to swallow.
1: Well, here's the thing. You know, when um, you think about Obama's re-election, and we did talk about whether Obama's re-election itself signified a decline right. in the American sense of life. And I think we were a little bit equivocal about it. And, yeah. I, and I think you can be equivocal about whether the mere re-election, and, and here's why. O- Obama said a whole bunch of things in his campaign that those of us who know philosophy... We say that reeks of collectivism, it reeks of egalitarianism, and in fact, Leonard Peikoff goes a step further, and I agree, it reeks of nihilism, right? He's actually a nihilist. But I think Americans who don't have an explicit philosophy that they've worked out, but are just gliding by on their sense of life, they can still be in the category that Rand is talking about in the quotation that I posted on the wall of the Don't Let It Go on her page on Facebook. So let me read that to you. This is, again, from the essay Don't Let It Go, which is in Rand's book, Philosophy Who Needs It. I'm going to read this quotation to you. She says, quote, The doctrine of collectivism has never been submitted explicitly to the American voters. If it had been, it would have sustained a landslide defeat, as the various socialist parties have demonstrated. She says, but the welfare state was put over on Americans piecemeal by degrees under the cover of some undefined Americanism, culminating in the absurdity of a president's declaration that America owes its greatness to, quote, the willingness for self-sacrifice, end quote. Now, if you go and listen to some of uh, Obama's speeches, and I'm thinking in particular of the speech that he gave in that uh, what, what's the, the pronunciation of that city in Kansas? Onatawa something? I can't, uh, that I, I, right. I, I can't... Anyway, I analyzed the speech that he gave there, and this was many months ago, and I can't remember the pronunciation the of the... sacrifice,
0: yeah. sacrifice, sacrifice. Yeah,
1: where he was basically talking about that America, the thing that makes America great, right. is the fact that we think we're all in it together and all right. these kinds of things. So, you know, that's the kind of stuff that Obama's campaigning on. And if Obama can convince the... Un, you know, I was going to say uneducated America, but imagine, you know, most Americans now have suffered through the government schools, Absolutely. which means they've <laughs> suffered through progressive education.
0: Only government educated people could vote in a guy like Obama.
1: Right, right. And so they can't really analyze this philosophically necessarily. They, they might still have part of the American sense of life. But in fact, uh, what Rand writes in this 1971 essay, again, don't let it go. She says that the progressive schools. Government, government-run schools are basically progressive schools, and we call them government schools instead always, of public schools. Always,
0: I think John David Lewis made that emphasis, which he, is yeah. important.
1: Yeah, and I, I think it's government important. Government schools. Sometimes I slip, and I yeah. try, I try to be consistent. Schools. Government schools. They,
0: they don't want us to call it government schools. They don't. No. The ones who run the government
1: schools. No, but we, we need to get rid of them. Why? Because as Rand writes in 71, progressive schools deliberately breed in the student, this idea of helplessness yeah. and resignation, right. and, and let me um, and the
0: government can swoop in and take over.
1: Let me let me talk about another idea that people held at least implicitly in 1971. They might not hold today, and it's an idea that if they lost it, would lead them to envy the successful, the people of yeah. achievement, the rich. Uh, in Europe, said Rand in 1971, she said in Europe. People live emotionally in a world made by others, mm. and then she says that in the United States, they have the attitude of "There's a, a Badger Clark uh, poem. It was the world began when I was born. Right. The world is mine to win." Right. That that Americans believe that the world is theirs to win. Yep. That they can be the next Kobe Bryant, the right. next Steve Jobs, et etc. et cetera. Yep. They can succeed in their in their chosen fields, and maybe. People don't have that confidence anymore that they can do this, that they might be the next person well, the making more schools, than $250,000 The government a
0: year. schools, Hollywood, everyone has taught them that in a lot of ways.
1: Right. Okay. Uh, so I'm thinking that once you give up that idea, that idea that the world is yours to win and you don't believe that you can be... The next Steve Jobs, just... then you're going to join in with the 65% who uh-huh. support higher taxes on households making more uh. than $250,000. How dare they! And right?
0: this, this idea also that Americans would vote for higher, you know, for uh, tax hikes on the rich—they they benefit nothing from it. It's it's a uh, you know shadow fraud. I mean, it's that kind of envious joy. Like yes, someone has a misfortune, someone who. Someone who's evil by nature, because because they're rich, right? If you're rich, you're evil, and and they paid for it, and that's how they get off. That's how that's the payment that they get. This is this this is sick stuff, and it's fundamentally anti-American.
1: Robert in the chat room says that for forty years, helplessness and resignation has become more and more prevalent. Hence the declining sense of life. Yeah, yeah. And
0: We have to accept it and fight against it, and it's tough yeah. again because this is still America.
1: Now let's you know. let's let's go through some more of the different concretes and different attitudes that Rand talks about in this essay, because I want you to just tell me whether whether you think this particular attitude that we had in 71 is now on the decline. Uh, So one was, of course, this idea that we can go out there and win the world or at least make the world for us. And that's all that we really care about is to achieve success in our chosen field. Oh, you're, mo- you're moving our little it, yeah. window. <laughs> close. So, yeah, so, um, please do call in if you want to contribute to the discussion. Uh, you know, audio, 760-888-5817. We are pretty much trying to keep up with the chat room here, but you can also call in, 760-888-5817.
0: Yeah, th- thanks for the chat room. Yeah, everyone's writing a-, a ton of great yeah, stuff. Yeah, people
1: are giving us some good contributions here. Another thing that Rand talked about, she said that in Europe, people aren't really happy. Whereas in America, even Europeans would observe that everyone except the intellectuals was happy. Yeah,
0: funny. The intellectuals funny.
1: kind of depressed and messed right, up. Right, right, right. But everyone is happy.
0: Generally happy, yeah, that's yeah. true.
1: So, I, I, but is that true now? I don't think so. No.
0: It's tragic, but I don't, I don't think so. Yeah. The funny. average person is just being beaten down.
1: She describes Europe as taken over by mysticism, lethargic resignation. That there was a cult of suffering, that there was a feeling of misery and impotence as man's fate on earth, unhappiness as the hallmark of a sensitive spirit. Have we adopted some of these things? There's one thing that I thought of, and I thought of, uh, you know, when I was uh, growing up, uh, some of the older kids liked Pink Floyd. Right. And Pink Floyd, if you ever listen to Another Brick in the Wall. Oh, yeah horrible yeah. or especially the wall right. that entire right. album is just full of depressing and horrible things popular. and and the people who were big fans of pink floyd thought themselves superior right. and said that it shows that they are you know sensitive and they have a sensitive spirit why because they adopt and will you know kind of wallow in this Pink Floyd-like misery. So that was one concrete that I had. And of course, all those people are grown up now and they're the generation I, that, that's producing. Say,
0: Robert's writing some great stuff in the chat room and he just puts here, Americans never like being pushed around. They don't mind it anymore. In a lot of ways, that is true. Right. I mean, there are still, there are still the small minority, hardcore Americans that will, will never submit.
1: Look what but, we're doing uh, with the TSA and the airports. I know, I know. In terms of being pushed around.
0: So, I know. I mean, we're all potentially guilty. You know, we're all Terrorists, right? Right. That's the whole notion. That's the whole idea. Like you know, instead of focusing on those who really might be, well, let's just pretend that everyone's potentially a terrorist.
1: Right. Now she said, by contrast, in America we were the first nation to discover this earth and man's proper place in it, and we believed, she thought, that we have the potential for happiness and that again the world is ours to win. And I would say that there's less of that attitude today because otherwise you wouldn't see the envy that was reflected no. in those poll numbers.
0: And also the politicization of America, of Americans, the uh, politics. I mean, it's part of our lives in every single way. It's on our minds now. its It has poisoned us in a lot of ways where individuals, you know, writers are as they start speaking like politicians. They start speaking like politicians and they write like politicians would write.
1: Yeah. Now in uh, in the chat room, we've got some reactions to my comments about, Pink Floyd. And I really took Pink Floyd. Now, I like Duran Duran, which as much as you want to say it's superficial or bubblegum, at least it had a more positive uh, sense of life attached to it. But David in the chat room says he loves the wall. He says, great to listen to and feel like, hey, at least I'm not as depressed as Roger Waters. That's funny. I guess that's that's true because it would be very hard to be as depressed as Roger Waters in the wall. But... Just sit there and listen to it, and I know people who listen to it over and over and over again. It has got to. That's affect. pretty
0: good. Uh, Debbie writes. Uh, that was a mentality when I was in high school. If you're happy, you're shallow. If you're depressed, you have depth.
1: Yep. And that's, I was that's, I was that's, uh, I was made that's fun of. That's a good of. observation. True. I was made fun of for the music <laughs> that's right. that I liked. And then I remember there was, a, you know, there's a band called Depeche Mode, and I think Depeche Mode is probably still out there trying to tour as old yeah, people. Yeah. Although the band that wins the prize <sighs> for touring as old people is apparently the Rolling Stones. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you can see some the
0: f- Strolling Bones. They yeah. still call them. Oh right. my
1: gosh, it's it's a They're in their '60s, I
0: think. but
1: um, all these old yeah, but bands they haven't had good music
0: and they haven't had good original songs in what 20, 20 30 years at yeah. least.
1: Apparently, they're still giving on giving a good show though. If you can just close your eyes and not look at how old and <laughs> That's wrinkled right. they are. But, uh, you know, we talked about uh, Depeche Mode, and, and they call them Depress Mode. That's right. That's De- right. Depress Mode is what we call them. <sighs> um, people like Rush. Of course, Russian content is excellent. It's not my preference I, m- for the most part. I went to a Rush concert. I, I really can't. appreciate them. I think they're good. Not my favorite. To me, not music my is,
0: is all about sound. If they have great ideas, great. Yeah. But the voice, Gedley's voice, I mean, I just... I can't get over it. I can't.
1: Yeah. with Within a certain range, I can definitely tolerate, uh, you know, musicians that have a negative sense of life or some right. wrong ideas but and things like that if if, if if the sound is good. Yeah, and music is a is very good. complex
0: It is. I mean
1: – you know, it's um, that we're Radiohead, not going to get And know, I, I am certainly no I, expert. And I've had people who, you know, we've got a little tiny clip of a, a Radiohead, a, a live.
2: Yeah. Uh, that's the opening. You know,
1: Radiohead in the opening of the show, and I've had people write me long oh, essays yeah. saying it's te- it's you shouldn't like Radiohead, it's terrible. You know what, Radiohead?
0: Uh, I, again, I mean, certain artists, right? It doesn't matter what their explicit ideas are. It really doesn't. They tell you who they are through their music, right. through their art. And Readyhead tells me a lot that these guys are serious, great musicians, you know, you know, despite of whatever they constantly think about,
1: yeah, and some songs I can't listen to, that's fine, but some of it I think is is excellent so um so let's see the other thing that Rand talks about in the essay that I wanted to get to is she talks about the fact that the best students the you know the people are coming up through the schools, they go into science, technology. Industry, I would add to that banking because we know John Allison is probably yeah. one of the best, most productive people out there and yeah. he went into, into banking. Uh, why do they go into these fields as opposed to becoming intellectuals, either academics or professional intellectuals otherwise? Why? Because in United States. Intellectuals here, the American intellectuals, she says, were the passive dependence on Europe's ideas, where Kant and Hegel took hold. The only original philosophical movement that we came up with here in the United States in the late, uh, you know, 19th century, early 20th century, was. Pragmatism. Yeah. And hmm. you know, pragmatism is, is pretty lame. So that's not gonna inspire the next Steve Jobs no. to go into philosophy. What is he gonna do? Instead, he goes into producing right. beautiful technology. Uh, you can't blame him at all. Now, one thing that Rand talks about and so so what do you think people in the chat room, what's the consensus? Do you think that we are on the decline? There's been a number of different things that we've talked about. I mean, here. you know,
0: despite, I mean, regardless, we still got to fight. We still have to produce. We still have I'm, to I'm not saying I mean, that. No, 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 no. I'm just, I know I'm just that.
1: saying, do we, do we have a consensus but that the American sense of life makes, is in big danger right now? It,
0: I got to bite my tongue almost. Because? Because it's, yeah, it is. Yeah. It absolutely is.
1: They're all talking about Ketty Lee. Uh,. Robert says, "Well, what is getting better since 1971? Uh, I mean, technology is wonderful. Technology. That's um, that's the one field where you can have a that positive sense of life that you saw embodied in Steve Jobs.
0: Uh, I mean, personally speaking, color books, color yeah. comic books have gotten so much better. Well." They stopped getting better at a certain point. You know, everyone goes back to 1986, The Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen to say the great comics. That's a long time ago.
1: I think in the 1980s, yeah. there was still quite a bit of positive sense it, of life. No, left but there, over. there
0: was. And, and, and I mean, think about it also. I mean, it was just we had a, a president who, whether agree or not, he projected a, a strength. He projected a, an Americanism that no president has since. That says something, that, that does something to the world. England, Margaret Thatcher, great music out there.
1: There's there's another thing that I thought of. What about um, what Clinton did to the presidency yeah. through the Monica Lewinsky scandal? Right. What Obama has done to yeah. the presidency? Yeah. I have I have a whole show diminished on it, diminished, Obama diminished. Obama's nihilism, and we yeah. talk about his nihilism, but his nihilism specifically with respect to the office of the president.
2: Right. Obama
1: going around on all these popular TV the shows, uh, show. TV shows, radio shows. Sports events and stuff, pandering to the lowest common denominator as president, I think that makes Americans think not as much of the the the
0: leader. as as And it gets the punks to vote, and that's the purpose of it.
1: Uh, Food, they say, is better. I think there's a a lot of good stuff in food right now in terms of Iron Chef sort of competitions to come up with the best, most awesome food. Also
0: certain diets. That are a little more conscious about you know, health, and I mean, they are. I mean, I, people have learned these, these over, the, options, over the decades. These are options, but
1: in ter- you know, in terms of, and again, what you do have to look at when you're, you know, you're trying to get an idea of Robert the American Robert culturally,
0: terms what of life. is better? Culturally, what is better?
1: Culturally, what is better? I can't. That's
0: tough. I mean, that's a tough. question. I don't know
1: if I can think of anything. I, I can. I can think of little beacons of light. Yeah, exactly. That are decent. Right. Within the fields,
0: culture. Uh, certain fields like like a the, the,
1: the one thing that's better is, is the rise of technology that yeah. we can all have at, at our fingertips and the fact that we can spread ideas through things like this podcast. Those, I mean, imagine I'm sitting here on yeah. a computer basically in my house, you know, yeah. I'm, and, and, and I'm just. You know, talking to the whole world, is, yeah. so that's wonderful. Uh, the fact that we can spread ideas, but at the same time, we've got a government that is ready to clamp down on stuff like this,
0: oh,
3: yeah. and
1: they're going to catch up with technology pretty they soon. Will. So this is
0: there's not they will, nothing will go untouched.
1: It's 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 a short lived, but that's that's the one bright shining beacon that I would point to is technological progress, the ability to travel all over the world. That we've had. Is, is, Debbie
0: points out, what about the, the readership of Atlas Shrugged, the increase in popularity of my Absolutely. Sure. You know.
1: Sure. But but again, what Rand talks about, and it, it is hard to get a sense of the country as a whole and the sense of life of America as a whole, yeah. even though so many people have been buying and reading Atlas Shrugged since, in particular, Obama came into
0: office. That fall.
1: Even though that's true, I don't think it's enough to make a dent in the overall sense of life of America. So it's it's a good sign. It's a sign that there is hope of turning this boat around. But, but, then, but, but, but what Rand talks about in the essay is, she says, look, just like an individual who has a sense of life when he's an adolescent, and if you can remember your sense of life, hopefully the sense oh, yeah. of life you had when you were an adolescent was hope. positive. And it was, full, was yours. Yeah, full of this attitude that the world is mine to win, etc. One small so So what I'm saying is, Um, That can get you by for quite a while. But Rand talks about in this essay that without an explicit philosophy that makes explicit that sense of life, the sense of reality that you've got causation out there, that it is a benevolent, not a malevolent universe, that you can conform your consciousness to reality, you can learn about reality, you can take action in reality, you can succeed, you can use your reason to get real knowledge about the world, and that moreover, the proper morality is one in which you pursue your own self-interest. Unless you've got that philosophy, she says, not only will your sense of life erode, but the reason it's going to erode is because you will, without necessarily even knowing it, yeah. compromise on and lose those things that are valuable to you. Right. You will betray those values without even knowing it. The, the, and, and, that, and that's the thing that's going to destroy your sense of life, and that's going to destroy you eventually. It's
0: also, it's also one thing I'm thinking about uh, decades and decades of an, uh, a constant focused attack on what makes America America by the left in this country, taking over politics in a lot of ways, taking over school, taking over Hollywood, taking over everything that's, you know, culturally dominant. Uh, that's not insignificant. I mean, that's not, that is important. And uh, the good guys, those on the right, haven't done their job. They haven't fought back. They accepted it. They said, well, you know, that's not our field. You know, let, let them have that. And that was a big, 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 big mistake. Yep. They did, they did not fight them. They did not call them out. Yeah. So there's a you know a hardcore anti-Americanism that has dominated for the last I don't know I don't know how many decades and finally has come to a head where you get an, an Obama, you know the anti-American in the White House.
1: Yes. And, and what do we need? What do we need in order to counter this? I'm going to say it really quick and then I'm going to get this caller because now the caller has the little okay. question mark icon that says he wants to actually say something. Uh, what we need is the explicit philosophy. That talks about man's nature, reason, self-interest. We need that philosophy to be understood and contained within major cultural products that are out there in the culture. Movies, music, literature, the popular intellectuals out there. We need more and more of that to be out there. At the same time, we need to get rid of government schools. And there is a positive trend in that regard. And and Rand talks about it even starting in the 70s, a middle-class revival of the Montessori system as an antidote to the progressive school system. And now it's not just Montessori, but it's also grade schools that talk about encouraging the individual student based on his own particular interests and abilities. So what we need is we need that to be purveyed out there. We need a culture that is truly and uniquely American in the sense that it talks about what you need to have the right to Learn. pursue happiness and to actually take advantage. Let me go ahead and grab this caller real quick. Bosch. Okay. Hi, who's this?
3: Hi, this is Brett from uh, South Florida.
1: Hi. So what have you got here? What do you think about the American sense of life today?
3: Well, I've noticed, I mean, especially in the last several years, like a severe downturn. It's It actually appears to be spiraling down i mean in, in almost every case like education uh the way people are being taught in schools there's almost this like revisionist aspect of history and uh modern uh, you know modern politics and all that stuff it's it, it's almost like you know it's way different than what i than what i was uh you know what I came to think when I was
1: younger right Yeah. And, you know, one thing is you wonder, and I'm going to go ahead and and put you uh, on hold for a second. We sometimes have audio trouble with with having collars on. One thing that you notice is that the kids in school at far too young an age are presented with all sorts of catastrophes waiting to happen out there. So, for instance, they'll have the students play like they're in the model United Nations, Hmm. and there's huge, horrible conflicts. So they might even have fifth graders talking about the so-called Palestinian right. conflict with right, the Israelis. Right, right. And they're supposed to resolve right. this thing that they don't even understand. No. And all they do is they get the sense that there's doom and gloom on the horizon. So there's that. And and then the environmentalist slant right. that's in the schools. Um, that was one thing that I did want to talk about in the essay. Um, Rand in the 1971 essay says that she doesn't believe Americans would succumb to the environmentalist drivel. She says that Americans are not willing to give up their standard of living for some beetle or tree, or I forget what the example was that she used, but she's saying, and, and I think she would be horrified. She would. She would be horrified at the extent to which Americans today are willing to sacrifice their values for the sake of the so-called environment. Let me, but, let me go back to But, Brad else, do,
0: do, do, do you recall when the uh, global warming took a big major hit? When the economy tanked, people weren't willing to spend any any kind of money on that crap because because a part of them knows that it's BS. They know Yeah, it.
1: but still, I mean, the, it, co- the economy has tanked, and yes. Obama has spent tons.
0: Yes, but what I'm saying is on that and- on, on, on that kind of thing, they could actually. They can pretend that it's something until their wallet takes a hit and they say, well, yeah. I'm not going to support that anymore.
1: But I would say, I mean, Romney, he wasn't that good, but he did call Obama out in the debate sure. of, about this issue of the spending on the so-called renewable right. energy. And people still reelected that. I sure. know
0: that, but so, he didn't so let, go let me, for the kill.
1: Let's get Brett Romney
0: here. didn't go let's for the kill.
1: Right. So, Brett, do you have any follow-up?
3: Well, I was actually you kinda of made me think of something that that happened when I was younger because I actually participated in the high school debate and the model UN and all that and all that stuff. I was in the, the public school system. And um one of the things I remember from back when I was in high school was that the, the, the po I you know I was I did policy debate and the resolution for that year, the first year that I actually entered into it was that should the the United States should substantially increase its use of renewable energy?
2: Mm. And it was
3: and as a young teenager, you know, like okay, you know, I mean, you know, it's, they kind of beg the question. I mean, is it even the government's place? And and in in that way, even the most intellectual of the students in high school get this kind of philosophy shoved down their throats, like at every turn.
1: Oh, yeah, now, now, Brett, first of all, you're a first time caller, so thank you for calling. Second of all, if I had a prize to give out, I would give you a prize because you used beg the question correctly that's right so i- th- I thank you for it, that as well but it, but it is i mean thank they you. they they just they just say that government should be involved in it. That's the basic underlying and assumption everything. and so then let, let let's just go ahead and say how
2: much exactly. and to what
1: extent. So, um, Brett, we do have another question I'm gonna to try to take before cool. the show's over. Thanks, and please do join in again. I I definitely appreciate it, especially a first time caller. And then we'll see who we got here. Hi, who's this?
2: Uh, hi, this is Harold. How are you doing, Amy?
1: I'm doing fine. Do you have a topic that has to do with the American sense of life in decline? Uh, yes, I do. Now I
2: I basically so, um you know,
1: sure about that, uh, Harold. Um we're, we're looking for examples of the American. I'm, I'm sens- about
2: to give. You, I'm about to give you an example. Um, on the environmental issue, uh, they keep saying that CO2 is bad for us. Well, I, I thought maybe that is true, and I found the opposite is true. There's a whole scientific research that CO2 promotes the growth of plants. It acts like a fertilizer. It helps it use less water. And unless you go looking for these things, you won't find them. But you can test this yourself. Grow your own plants, and you, you'll see. All this environmental stuff is complete nonsense.
1: It's oh, it yeah. actually
2: is hurting us. Yes. So there's, I- there's, well, there's well-established science that says that CO2 is a very good uh, thing to have. We could even double our levels and our plant growth and our forests would increase and agricultural yields would increase, and it causes cause us no harm whatsoever. So
0: uh, yeah. I just want
2: to drop. Yeah, you know,
0: uh, Propaganda is a the thing that causes yeah, the harm. I,
1: I was just going to interrupt you for a second, uh, Harold, and the only way apparently I can do this is by muting people, which is sad. Uh, but what I wanted to say was – the, yeah, the temperature would increase a little bit, but because we have technology that can help us deal with these increases in temperature, right. that's fine. But if we try to decrease our carbon right. emissions, that means giving up our air conditioners, which means dying apologize in heat Apologize for wave. living, right. Yeah, apologize for, for a living. So, um, so now, Harold, do you have okay.
2: a… Okay, can, I, say, can yeah. I follow up? Uh-huh, sure. Um, it, it turns out the optimum temperature for plant growth goes up as the CO2 levels go. up. So in other words, if, if the CO2 levels go up uh, at 300 ppm, then it turns out five more degrees is, is optimistic. It's good. It's, it's a good thing for the plants. So their peak growth point is actually five degrees higher under higher CO2 levels. So nature is well-tuned into all of this, and we had CO2 levels 20 times higher during the Jurassic era. So we're just fine, and humans can deal with 20,000 parts per million. We have no problem with CO2. You know, it it causes us no trouble until it gets to really high levels. So all all this is the reason I got to this is because of of the um, the possibility of doing very uh, cheap nuclear. So using liquid nuclear fuels with thorium, and what you could do is you could start sucking CO2 out of the air.
1: Interrupt you here yeah. I, I think that that's great and i, I would be in favor of cheap nuclear it's a topic that's a little bit beyond what I want to do today i want to I want to I stick want to, to this, this the sense of life stuff and I have, I have a couple more things that I wanted to Say uh, one, thing, one thing, first of all, was that Rand was saying that she didn't think that we would have a takeover by some sort of a dictator, that that was going to be the end of our country. She says instead, chaos would happen, and she actually predicted some kind of civil war. And I'm wondering if we've got a civil war coming between the looters versus the producers, mm-hmm. because when you've got 65% of the country yep. basically saying, we are looters, yep. we believe in... Soaking the so-called rich, anybody who makes more than two hundred fifty thousand, they are declaring war. No, yes, they are. By True. answering a poll in this way, they are saying we want the government to use force to take more money.
3: Live so off it like so, a so that could
1: be a, a future for for us there. It's very
0: possible because the, the resentment is growing. You can hear it in uh, talk show hosts when 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 people call in. You can hear their voices. They're getting a little. Uh, things getting a little. The spillover let's say.
1: Yeah, yeah. Now, there was uh, one caller that you had said uh, who called into Limbaugh.
0: Yeah,
3: and a young kid. He,
1: he checked himself because he yeah. when he first heard that the tax increase was going to go to people making above a certain amount, yeah. that's not me. And yeah. then he realized how wrong it was. Says, so that's, so that, American, that, that's right. really, that's is really the hope for the future. It is because
0: he was really upset with himself yeah. for actually thinking that, like, wow, okay, I'm safe Yeah. because we are targets now.
1: So let's let's hope we can get rid of the government schools. We can have more and more people like that kid. Uh, I'm going gonna, gonna to continue talking on this show. We're, we're, will we're about – We'll kick and scream,
0: but we've got to get it yeah, away from them. We yeah, have to.
1: Yeah. We, are, we are about out of time here, so I'm going to say all of my usual spiel that I say at the end of the show. If you like this show – you can click follow on the Blog Talk Radio page that you're on right now while you're listening, and you can follow this show and get updates from me. You can also go to the Don't Let It Go on Herd page on Facebook, or you can go to my blog at don'tletitgo.com where you can leave comments on this show if you want to have uh, just continue it at don'tletitgo.com. Have a good night, everybody. Thanks for joining in.
3: More than once, actually.
1: Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes.
3: Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky?
1: I never win and tell.
3: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law.
1: 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. So, you've got an idea for a business. The store of your dreams. There's just one thing to figure out. Everything.